You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Modern Web Podcast. I am Lindsay Wardell, and with me today is Hunter Miller and Sean Wang. And hey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, This episode is sponsored by Cloudinary's Media Developers Community. Join the Media Devs Community on Discord. They are a diverse community of developers and media developer experts that share insight, expertise, and best practices using media technology in web and mobile apps. Join to chat with other develop- with others or simply to hang out at http colon slash slash discord.gg slash media devs. Great. Let's dive in. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Uh, brought you on to talk about a number of things, but partially talk about how great it is to work on side projects and, and developing in public and learning in public. So I thought we'd just start there and start talking about some of the side projects that we all work on. Yeah, awesome. I, I think that's something that everyone's interested in and maybe doesn't have quite figured out yet. And I don't think any of us have fully figured it out, but I think we all have stuff going on. I mean, a podcast is often a side project, right? Yeah, exactly. So let's let's pick on Hunter for this one. Hunter, do you want to start out and talk about something you've been working on? Sure. I'll try to keep it short. Um, so I recently dove into this thing called Urbit, which is like they're trying to reinvent computers and the internet and all this kind of stuff, um, which is, sounds insane. Anyway, um, there's like a command line utility that you run to run everything. And um, to try to help people get on Urbit, I decided to build an Electron app, which runs the CLI for you. That way you don't have to know the commands and all that kind of stuff. And if I wasn't crazy enough to be building that in my off time, I also started um, making these little cards that like represent your username on the thing. And so I've been doing that as well. <laughs> Electron's fun. Uh, it's it's a mess though. <laughs> in a good way or? <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's just so much to, to, to think about. Like you have to sign your apps with Mac and Windows and worry about each particular build and there's dependencies and so many things that we don't, have to worry about on the web. Um, so we should not to mention lucky. <laughs> not to mention uh, automatic updates for desktop applications. Yeah, I was about to tackle that actually soon. So, oof. Cool. Uh, Lindsay, you or me? <laughs> uh, I'll go next. Um, haven't been working on one too much recently, although I do uh, share sympathy with Hunter for Electron. I've worked on it in the past, and especially getting the auto update to work is, is always exciting. Um, the most recent project I've been working on, so I've, I've mentioned this on a couple of different places. Uh, I tend to make the exact same side project repeatedly in multiple frameworks to try and learn new tools. Um, so the latest version is, is a turn-based strategy game that I've been building in Elm, and been recently working on different ideas for what the AI can do for deciding what moves it's going to make, 
how it's going to weigh different actions and how it's going to take uh, make decisions during the game in general. So that's that's what I've been working on most recently. Um, wanting to dive in, um, there, there's this ever-present need to understand what's in my kitchen. And I'm wanting to build just an inventory app for my kitchen so that I know exactly what's in the cabinets, what's in the, in the fridge, and then be able to build grocery lists off of that. So as I put in recipes, I can be like, okay, I already have that, I already have that, I need to buy that, I need to restock on this, just to make the, the weekend a little bit easier when I get to grocery shopping. And then eventually build on top of it and be able to put my recipes into the app. But that's that's way down the road if I ever get that far. The the primary purpose is to know what food I have in my house now so I can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a noble goal. Um, cool. It reminds me of that scene in Silicon Valley where uh, there's, a, there's a guy who wants uh, a smart fridge so that it keeps track of uh, the inventory of the food in the house. And then uh, the, another guy just just points at a different fridge with a uh, with like a glass door that you can see through. They're like, <laughs> that's uh, cheating sorry. though. That doesn't, that doesn't let me build something. <laughs> uh, um, cool. Uh, I don't know where to start with my side project stuff. Um, I guess I, I would say that I started blogging as a side project because when I was in my first software engineering job, uh, we were not being very utilized at work. I felt very, uh, I felt like I wasn't growing at all because my, my boss was just completely absent. And so I started blogging just to uh, make my own uh, tutorials and mentorship, uh, you know, of, of like just tracking what I learned. And so I think blogging is a, it's a side project. Um, another one that was pretty impactful was, you know, I was using React and TypeScript at work and realized that there wasn't really a, a good tutorial. So uh, I made uh, what eventually became a React and TypeScript cheat sheet. And, and that's now been viewed by uh, tens of thousands of developers, probably hundreds of thousands. I, I don't really keep track. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just a really uh, fun way to funnel your creative energies uh, especially if you're frustrated at work into something that you fully control from end to end. Um, and then finally, most, most recently last year, I took some time between jobs to write a book, which I was my first side project that I ever did for money, uh, which I'm sure we can talk about later on. Uh, actually, if you don't mind, we can talk about that a bit now. Uh, what was the book? Sure. Uh, the for book is called- who, For those who aren't aware. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are plenty of people who are not aware, uh, which is why I, I guess I need to be more shameless in talking about it. It's still hard to to like be the author of a thing and promote the thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, the book is called The Coding Career Handbook. Uh, it was originally called Cracking the Coding Career. And then uh, Gail McDowell, the, the author of Cracking Coding Interview, got in touch and mentioned the word lawyers. So I had to rename it. So that that's why the awkward name. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, it's a it's a compilation of all the non-technical advice that uh, I have, but also I've, I've absorbed from people more experienced and smarter than myself. Uh, so the book has about 1400 links and references to all sorts of things. It's meant to be like an index of like, here's all the things that they didn't teach you when you uh, got into the industry um, and you're supposed to just magically pick up by hoping, hopefully landing in the right company with the right mentor. Uh, so you know, for, for the thousands of people who don't have that, this is this is meant to be a book and a community for, for people to join, to learn and discuss about this kind of stuff and hopefully go from junior to senior. It's really that phase which I focus on because I think a lot of people want to hire seniors, but then um, 
there are a lot of juniors out there and there's there's no sort of guide or there's not much thinking on how to up-level people. So is, is the book targeted at somebody who just came out of a boot camp, for example, or is self-taught and wants to know the next step? Or is this somebody who's gotten to their first job, sits at their desk for the first day and says, uh-oh, yeah. now what? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I, I definitely target for junior to senior. So uh, that transition of like first job to second and, and, and just becoming more comfortable. Uh, I, do, I don't focus as much on, for example, um, how to get your resume right, how to ace the technical interview. I think that's, that territory is extremely well covered by other people. So why bother write, writing my own version of those? I just point people to the right place and let them figure that out. I want to solve the, the stuff that hasn't been solved yet. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, and, and there is a little bit of in there about the value of side projects and, and how to pursue them. So it was kind of very meta, uh, writing a side project, <laughs> but also <laughs> writing down advice and, and, and thoughts on like how to get your, your, uh, your, like how to pick a project, how to like deliver in some kind of a reasonable time frame, um, all, all that good stuff and, and giving inspiration mostly. Cause I think sometimes people have a lot of ideas and, or they don't have any ideas at all. Uh, it's like a two. It's like two different extremes. Yeah, I definitely fall on the too many ideas side. <laughs> um, talking about like, you mentioned it being non-technical. I think that's like so important. Um, I think as developers, we always tend to focus on the technical side of things, but it's really kind of those non-technical things that you know, really, like you said, kind of mature us into seniors um you know how to be professional how to handle i don't know what's in your book i haven't picked it up but now i kind of want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, like the the main realization comes from the fact that like you can study engineering career ladders like it's like the rubric that most companies eventually have to evaluate like you know they're they're whether you're like engineer one, engineer two, senior uh, staff, principal, or you're a manager, even managers have, have their own ladders and designers have their own ladders. Um, and quite a number of them are public. So I compiled a list of about 20 something public career ladders uh, from people like the Financial Times and Medium and Kickstarter and Read the Runway and Circle CI. And you just compile, compile all of them together. You start to notice some patterns and primarily among them uh, is that only about 25% of the evaluation criteria measured or mentioned is actually strictly technical. <laughs> so the remaining 75% uh, is stuff like, can you communicate well? Right. Uh, that was not <laughs> taught in your CS degree. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, so, it's, so, so I think it's just really jarring for people to like learn one thing, get the job, and then be expected to be evaluated on some on metrics that are completely different. Uh, so I think it's worth exploring. The problem with writing something like this is that people don't view it as worth anything. It's soft skills. Who, who cares? Like I, I, I learned that from my parents. Um, so it's a very difficult thing to communicate the value of, even if it might have some intangible value and, and some very long-term value at, at that. Yeah, I think I, I had a similar struggle because I was thinking about writing something similar and like, how do you portray the value of these things that like we've traditionally just <laughs> thrown away or like ignored or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It's, it's weird because there's no objective right answer. And also um, it's weird because it's also 
case dependent um, and the person writing it doesn't should not, probably not claim to be an expert in everything like should should can never claim to be perfect like you could feasibly you could feasibly claim to be a an expert on something technical when you yeah. write the book on it um, but you probably cannot claim like for every thing that you write down you've probably broken that rule yourself you know you exactly. like everyone's, everyone's a hypocrite in some way um so these are just a collection of good ideas rather than like you know a, a strict set of rules that you should follow for for guaranteed success um so it's a there, there there's a number of hairs in it so it's it's always very gratifying when people look past all all that and just go like yeah I, no matter what like I, I need more guidance here. And, uh, you know, there, that's, <laughs> this yeah. is one of the resources and there are many other resources that I can point people to, uh, like lead dev and level up. And, um, there, yeah, there, there are a lot of people trying to work on this other side of engineering, um, which I, I really respect because it's, 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 just the, it's the hard one to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, what was the hardest part of like marketing the book? Oh, interesting. Marketing the book. Well, you know, because we just talked about like it's we're kind of like devaluing the soft skills. So, yeah, what was yeah. your magic? <laughs> the magic was to essentially build in public, um, which is an extension of my own learning philosophy. Anyway, to learn in public. Um, so day one, when I announced the book uh, that I was working on the book, um, I actually just put up an empty PDF for presale, uh, and I already sold some of some of those uh, just from friends who like read me for a while and they wanted to show support. Right, that's not really meaningful uh, in either way. But then I planned a table of contents and then I picked every day, I would pick one of the table of contents to write out as, as sort of my writing assignment. So one thing I would do is I would live stream that whole process uh, on YouTube and people would drop by and they, they would engage. Uh, that audience wasn't really huge. It's just a few dozen people. But um, what really, really stood out for me was uh, essentially picking select, select, select chapters which I thought would be really interesting and just publishing them the full text as blog posts. Um, so giving free samples, people like free stuff. Who knew? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's taking, a good strategy. Right, yeah. Didn't Adam Wathen do that too when he was releasing Refactored UI? He, uh, so Adam and Steve um, dropped uh, basically hot tips on Twitter for two years. Right, and that was essentially yeah. their, their, uh, their strategy. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great if you're a visual. Right. If your if your focus is visual and it's inherently when you look at the image and you're like, this is a beautiful piece of work or this is just inherently right advice, that's great. Uh, it's a hard it's harder to do when you're trying to convey something more intangible where it needs a bit more investment. Um, so that's where a bit of the background in blogging helps and storytelling. Uh, and so that's what I did. You know, my first post was how to market yourself without being a celebrity, right? And and that really got to the heart of something that I knew developers wanted to learn more about, which was that they knew that they had all these technical skills, but it wasn't going to mean anything uh, if they didn't know how to market it, right? Like if a tree falls in the woods and, and no one's around to hear it, that it really fall. Um, and and but the but the perception of people of developers trying to market themselves is that uh, it's not for them. They are not celebrities. The, the, the thing that those people do is very different from what I can do. I just, that doesn't feel like me. And so the challenge was to bridge that gap and say like, no, even if you're not internet famous, um, there's certain, there's a lot of val value to marketing yourself within your own company or team. Um, 
or just within your industry because the goal is not to be famous uh being famous sucks like just ask any celebrity it's it's to be well known enough that you you can actually work with anyone that you want to work with uh and be taken seriously like not as nobody but like to have some authority on the on the you know things on which you're you're actually an expert on right so that you can actually get a, have a chance to demonstrate your value instead of um, being ignored or passed over for opportunities that would have been perfect for you if you if people just knew you existed. So I thought that was a really core pain point which I really wanted to focus in on. So uh, looking at that a little bit more, it's less about marketing and a little more about just expressing who you are, what you know, what your competencies are, and your processes you're learning so that it's something that people know when they when they know your name when they hear about you like oh yeah i know x y and z about this person yeah yeah there, there's a bit there's a lot more to that it's uh you know you can anyone can read the blog post uh if they want um you know there's there's also a, a measure of inventorying what you have right right now <laughs> which is kind of similar to the kitchen thing right like it's hard to market yourself if you, if you don't know what's on sale um or if people if you don't make it easy for people to know what's on sale right so that's a great uh, point <laughs> So like, you know, look around you, like make com condense it into like a, a small elevator pitch of like what, who you are and what you do, you know, stuff like that. Um, because people don't have like, yes, we are all full human beings with a lot of nuance and a lot of dimensions to us. But at the end of the day, people don't have time for all that, right? You, they need like a 10 second soundbite of like, hey, this is the person that helps with what. And the next time you have to register their mental hook so that the next time someone comes along in their you know, orbit that has that problem, they think of you first. And sort of first to first to your lips is uh, often confused with the best. Um, and you can see developers who are really, really good at that, even though they may not actually be the best, they're just really good at uh, associating themselves with that topic. So they're, they're brought up and you're surprised that they get the opportunity every time. It's because they know how to market. I was just gonna pivot back to uh, blogging a little bit because you talked about how you, you do side project as blogging and some people might not think of that as an actual side project because side mm -hmm. project is like, I need to bootstrap a React application. I need to install Tailwind. I need to you know, set up all my SaaS variables properly so that I can build this to-do app. That's, that's a side project. Um, I, I agree with you, by the way, that podcasting and blogging and tutorials or just reaching out and talking with people can be a side project. But what for you, in your words, why would blogging be... Uh, an ideal side project. Oh, it's extremely scalable, uh, and it and the demands are as high or as low as you want it to be. Um, so a lot of like that stuff that you just mentioned, uh, and also also I'll, I'll just put it I'll just put it out there. Uh, <laughs> if you do the same things for fun as that you do for work, then it becomes work and it becomes not fun anymore to me. So I try to actually stay away from quite a bit of <laughs> engineering. I do you know, bootstrap, small apps and stuff like that. Uh, but it's not the goal, it's, it's a means to an end, uh, rather, you know, and, and, and so for me, uh, blogging is it's just, it's, it's infinitely scalable. I have a, se I have a separate chapter on like the power of writing. Um, it really helps you organize your thoughts. Um, so the every a lot of what I say in my in my podcasts and in my conversations and particularly interviews, you sound smarter if you've written about something before because you've organized your thoughts. You even know the references to them. You can just pull it up and send it to people if if you want. Um, so a lot of people might say like, "Oh, I don't have time to blog." Uh, they actually might be overestimating how much effort it takes to just write up something that they've been thinking or that they've been researching. 
um, and how much time might save them for, for in the future when they reference it uh, for their own use or they can send it along as like, here's my brain dump of everything that I have found on this particular topic. And that is, that's been so amazing. Uh, particularly if you start earning friends in your sleep, I have this concept of a friend catcher, right? Where uh, literally people will find me, uh, you know, I, there's a thousand people on my site right now and we're, you know, I'm not even talking to them, but they're talking to me in, in, in their own strange way. And uh, it's, it's just a very great leverage of your time. And leverage is all about disconnecting your personal output or your personal increase in value from your time. Um, and I think blogging is a very, very high leverage use of time. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, you know, people might even think they know you after they've read enough of your stuff, you know? People do this with like podcasts a lot too. Like they've listened to some podcaster for forever and it's like, I feel like I know them, but they never even have interacted with them. Um, <laughs> yeah, how do you get out of... That show quite a lot of uh, cold introductions, actually. Uh, cool. th there's, I think that one of the writer, one of the writers I like on on Twitter says like, uh, actually, more people should record personal podcasts. Just record your opinions and stuff, and then whenever people ask you for, like, what what are your thoughts on X, which you mm. get all the just time, send along, send <laughs> along a personal asset. That's funny. How do you get past like, um, I don't know. For me, when I started writing, like, I just wanted to get bogged down in like trying to sound better or like edit things. And do you, do you have a process for that or do you kind of let it flow? Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a few strategies for this. Uh, I'll just, I'll just say the first thing that came to mind, which is uh, the, the magic sort of rule for shipping projects is to have variable scope, but a fixed deadline. Right. So um, you, you set it a lot of side projects, are partially complete and then they, they died because uh, the, the person who creates them just kind of feels that they're not good enough to be released or uh, they, ne they never want to you know finish them so that they can move on to the next thing. Uh, and that has a huge psychological burden on you. Uh, so it's really a good idea to get into the habit of saying like, okay, I have uh, a day to write this. Or for me, you know, I want to ship a blog post every week. That's the commitment that I made to myself. Um, and so by hook or by crook, I will ship something. It may not be good, uh, it, but it will be better than nothing. And nothing is the default of 99% of people out there. And you're already doing better than 99% of people out there. And the more you do it, the more you'll find ways to save yourself time, the more you get better at like shortcuts and stuff like that uh, to actually improve the quality of the stuff that you ship within that time frame. Um, and we all got to face it. Like this is, this is not our main jobs. Um, so we have to make it work within the, the constraints that we have. Uh, so I, I, I absolutely think that um, yeah, pe people should basically be less precious about their writing. They're not writing, you know, sort of the next great American novel. They're just writing their opinions, something that they just learned, um, anything that would be useful to, for, to them, uh, particularly like, you know, write for yourself like a month or three months ago. And that that is enough because there are plenty of people like you. Yeah, I, 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 when I started blogging, and I think on my on my personal website, I only have maybe two and a half or three actual technical blogs. Uh, most of it is fiction. Um, but my my instinct was always, oh, but there's like so many people out there who know so much more than me and have already written about this. Like, I'm not going to add value to the general view community. I'm not going to change the course of development history with this blog post. It's just going to be me expressing my opinion on 
how to use an API of some sort. But like you're saying, that's, there's actually value in that anyway, because you're organizing your thoughts and you're able to express your knowledge. And maybe somebody will read your blog post instead of the other one. Exactly. Yeah. Even even if it's already been said before, uh, you're you have a unique spin on it, and you have the ability to communicate to people who are sort of in that just crossed over mindset. Um, you know, I, I try to avoid calling it a beginner mindset now because sometimes you're not a beginner. You're just like trying to form your opinion about something, and you just needed a buddy to go like, "Hey, what, what do you what do you really think about this? Like, there's so much marketing BS out there, right? Like, what do you just tell me your, your honest thoughts? Right. There's not enough people just sharing their their uh, their opinions, so uh, you stand out just by doing that, and that can be really great. There's a, there's a, someone on Hacker News who actually <laughs> it's a fantastic example because this guy just like wrote a GitHub repo of saying how I write backends. That's it. This is just like, like not the not the best way to write backends, not like this 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 thing scales to Netflix size, not like, you know, any any sort of other things apart from this is my stack. And this is these are the reasons I chose for that. And it was just so well received because like it was just a very upfront um, explanation and people could quibble about like okay I don't like this technology you can swap it out but that person stated their point of view and they, they put it out there it's useful for them because you can, they can send it along to the people that they work with but also just like a lot of people on Hacker News like didn't even found a lot of value in, in like discussing this stack because obviously it came from their personal experience that they found it useful um, and it's just a very authentic sharing of knowledge I think a lot of people try to blog for numbers like likes retweets uh, visitors and whenever you do that you're basically on the path towards gamification right like of like uh, here's the top seven uh, secrets to JavaScript you won't believe number five you know like <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of buzzfeed buzzfeedification of dev content out there. Um, and that's what happens to you when you pay attention to the numbers. So you got you to gotta stay authentic to what you're intellectually interested in and try to not, I mean, obviously numbers are good and like, you know, more reach is better and, and you, you have more of a platform to um, shine a light on, on things that actually matter. Um, but if too much attention to numbers leads you to I optimize for sort of the lowest common denominator content. And that is just the worst. I, I would never stand for that. Yeah. I would say like, that's a super important point. And for me, like any, even remotely like caring about those kinds of things, like it just didn't align with my values. So like it ended up demotivating me from writing. And I think like anytime I do something that's like going back to focusing on myself, like you were talking about earlier, I actually end up, liking it a lot more and I'm motivated to do it and have energy. So I think that's, that's pretty key. Like if you start chasing the numbers, like you'll probably end up hating it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, and I, I think it kind of goes for all your side projects as well. I'm actually pretty obsessed recently with this idea of playing games that you cannot win. So um, I think a lot of things in, in, that around us we, we try to win and it's it's a little bit stressful because um we start to get into this like social competition of like okay you know i did it faster than you or i made more money than you um and that's fine I, i'm not against that in in general but i think that if you do everything like that then you lose a bit of yourself that is just artistic that that is just creative that's just messing around and seeing what happens and sometimes it's really weird sometimes it's like super cool right. um, and I, I like to keep a part of that for myself um, so you know I, I do play guitar sometimes I'm terrible at it 
but and I and I do uh, do my own personal podcasts uh, daily, uh, and there's no way I can win. Oh, that's <laughs> really that's cool. <laughs> in that, uh, but it's but it's but it's lets me explore, lets me experiment as a creator, uh, where you know it's it's just a it, it's something that's completely for me, um, and hopefully I get better at it uh, in in a way that I define and not in someone else patting me on the back saying good job. Uh, it's just me. It's it's just like hey, like uh, you know, I I really like this one. This is my favorite, and 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 I I get to say that, not anyone else. And I think uh, a lot of people are uh, sort of corrupted by external motivation because that's how people control us. Um, and we need to fight for intrinsic motivation, and that's how um, that sort of childlike quality of play and creativity and enjoyment and flow. I was about to say that man. <laughs> childlike quality of yeah, just play. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I That's mean, this huge. is not this is not something I came up with. This, uh, if you want to read more about this, uh, Daniel Pink's book on Drive really drives this home. Because I think one of the things that I focus on in my book, you know, I wrote forty chapters of advice, and then at the end of it, I was like, okay, none of this matters if you burn out. None of this matters if you don't take care of your of your body, um, and you got to stay in the game to to you know whatever the, whatever you think the game is. Uh, if you burn out of it, then you're out. So uh, so. You, I've seen so many people who are who are burned out. Like they're 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 in Google, they're earning the big bucks at at, at like one of the Fang companies, um, and they're like, I don't love my, I hate I hate programming now. Uh, and and you see anonymous um, confessions of that on on Reddit and Hacker News, and you, you just feel sad for them because you're like, you know, software engineering is an awesome power, and you have the ability to create things from your mind, and uh, and you're being you're working in the one of the top companies in the world. Uh, and you're being, you're earning, you know, six-figure salaries. I'm sure you never imagined you you would make when you were growing up, and you're burned out. Like that's something fundamentally wrong that we we need to fix. And I think that all comes back to intrinsic motivation rather than extrinsic. It sounds uh, similar to what something you were saying on Twitter recently, uh, where you were talking about having a job and not being your job. And I believe you also did a blog post on this. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> so I do this a lot. I think a tweet is a minimal viable blog post, right? So if again, if you don't have uh, a lot of time to to blog, just tweet, right? Just just like what is the opinion stated as clearly as you can, and if it's if it's a hot take, fine. Just just be sure you can defend it. Make, make sure you actually believe right. it. <laughs> don't, just, don't just tweet to piss people off. Um, but yeah, like so this was a this was a feeling that I had. You know, I. I had been going through some job ne negotiations because I switched jobs recently. Uh, and I realized that um, I was able to just negotiate better because I had an independent side project that was making me 100K a year. Uh, that, uh, that my best alternative to a negotiated agreement, a BATNA, right, which is, which is your best ally when, in any negotiation, was pretty good on its own. I could, I could definitely make my own money as an independent creator. Um, but I didn't want to do that because uh, I find uh, working on a company really interesting. I, I, I have really cool colleagues. I have, I have really cool customers that I want to uh, learn more about. I don't think I'm done learning. You know, I think I think a lot of times when you break out and go indie, you kind of call you kind of like put a stop in, in terms of like what you what you learn, and then you're sort of mining the things that you already learned. So I don't want to do that. I don't think it, I don't think I'm there yet. Um, and I think I think also just people in general when they introduce themselves, like oh, who are you? They they go straight into the what do I do, right? And I haven't once mentioned where I work in this conversation, which is great. 
<laughs> and it makes me a more it makes me a more interesting person. Uh, it also it also gives me an identity that is bigger than my job, right? So if if I'm ever fired, I'm not crushed because like it's it's part of me, but it's not a it's not it's not the only part of me. Um, and I'll I'll find I'll find something else, and and uh, people won't lose respect for me because I have independent value apart from my job. Like there are a lot of people who are like their their identity is their employer. Like like you know oh, that's the guy that work at next yeah. at, at Netflix. Um, it's great for them, you know, if, if that's if that's what they want. Uh, but I think there are a lot of people out there who want to be bigger than their job. So I wanted to stand for those people. You've got a tremendous mindset. And I want to know, it sounds like you read a lot. I'm curious, like what your reading habit is like and how that's maybe hmm. affected your mindset. So I don't read, I don't read that many books. I did read a lot in the past and actually went through a phase where uh, <laughs> I read um, kind of a book a day through Blinkist, so it's not like it's not fully. Uh, I read wow. a book. I, I read a book summary a day for ninety days, and that was a that was a really interesting exercise. Anyway, um, so I read more blog posts because I think that a lot of books could be blog posts. So if I can just oh, get well, to that's the definitely book. true. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my book is not like that, but every other book is. But, <laughs> um, but, uh, um, yeah. So you know, I try to get to the crux of the argument and go like, all right, I, I, I have this rough, you know, idea, and if I ever need more detail, I'll, I'll go buy that book. Uh, but also, a lot of opinions are only expressed in blog posts. Um, I also start start to uh, do a lot more audiobooks, and that's mainly because I want to save my eyes for work. Um, and it's better to to read through your ears. Uh, because it just exercises a different part of your 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 brain, and I'm able to exercise as part of it. So I've been I've been trying to work out more, um, and I think yeah, we're, we're all reading too much anyway. So why, why would I voluntarily add more reading to myself? Um, so I I I re pretty much restricted to just uh, audiobooks and blog posts, and of course Twitter, um, which which uh, is a is a healthy engine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a, I don't know if it's healthy or not unhealthy, but it's a source of news. And uh, it's a social network as well, which is which is pretty nice. But yes, um, I think the the main focus for me is is absorption rather than consumption, right? Like or or um, you know like I think a lot of people brag about how many books they read in a year. Like they have on Goodreads, they're like, yeah, I finished like 200 books this year. I'm like, great, but like the point isn't quantity. Right. You know, the point is just how much like you retain. You know, and and I'm the sum total of the relevant knowledge that I retain, and so that's that's a that's a mix of like, you know, how much am I reviewing the content that I've already ingested that was just extremely high quality versus consuming new content, which might be irrelevant tomorrow because it was the news of the day. Like, where did the market close today, or like what did Trump just say? I, I don't care because it's not going to be relevant tomorrow. Um, and and I think we can bring a lot of that mentality to. Um, to the, the even the developer content that we consume, right? Like uh, there's this idea of the Lindy effect, where things that have been around longer, um, you can sort of expect them to be, and, and as long as they're still relevant today, you can expect them to be relevant tomorrow as well. Um, so I actually try to bias towards things that have been around a while. Um, it might not look like it because I tweet a lot about new stuff, but it comes from a, a place of like understanding this this is the time in history that we're in right now. And I'm trying to be a historian, sort of like a live tweeting historian going going through time as we go through it, uh, rather than like 
you know, responding to the day's news. It, uh, I don't know if there's if it's coming across that there's a difference, but to me there is. Um, so I think I, uh, anyway. So so I, I definitely think you know one of my principles is that you should try to focus on longer lasting uh, technologies, content, ideas, principles, questions, whatever, um, and collecting good questions to answer is, is definitely one of them. Lindy. <laughs> I've been seeing that more and more as like a, as like a meme word to say. <laughs> yeah, for, for anyone who's uh, interested in this idea, I actually have a definition of it um, in my circle community. So just look for my Lindy library. Uh, cool. you, you, can, you can look up um, sort of timeless articles. And it's just a really good use of time, you know? Yeah, like, I agree. Everyone, everyone remembers that one book from college or one paper that they that they still think about you know 10 years after imagine if like you spent more time doing that stuff rather than the the random you know news flashes that they come across that you won't remember tomorrow um so we should we should sort of adjust our information diet and uh towards things that last longer awesome uh we are close to time sean is there anything else that you would like to share with us this has been an excellent conversation well, I feel like we didn't really discuss like uh, side projecting um, on at, at all. So, so I feel like we, we've know, talked about it's a side project. <laughs> blogging, yeah, we talked about blogging and talked about uh, podcasting and and just creation in general. I I just think that like there's a lot of mechanics and tactics to side projects. Um, so, which you know, I for for those interested, I wrote about this in uh, this blog post on on being a part time creator, which is the follow up to that tweet that you talked about. Um, and it, it's it's really to like make time for it. And there's, <laughs> I've actually interviewed a bunch of people, and they're they're all you know saying basically something on the order of um, ten hours a week or two hours a a day. Um, you can t and there there are a few strategies to do it. You know, uh, and and it seems that for most people, including myself, two hours a day before work starts is better than two hours after work ends. Um, I also do uh, some amount of weekend work as well. But definitely I, I, I <laughs> so the, the mode that I talk about is five for them, one for you. Um, so it's it's like five five for your employer and one for yourself, right? So that you don't end the week with nothing is, which is the the, the title of a famous uh, Patrick McKenzie essay, which I really encourage people to read. Um, I, and I, I know how that feels primarily because, uh, you know, when I was in my finance career, um, my employer consumed all my all of my intellectual output. I had no energy left uh, left over, and I didn't know how toxic that was until I left. And I realized that I look at my own intellectual output from 2011 to 2016. The reason you hadn't heard heard of me before then is because I never put anything out publicly, and and none of that. You know, I wrote some of, some of the best stuff I wrote sits in an inbox somewhere, uh, and my and my former employer, and I'll never see it again. So I really like this idea of having something that you own. Um, that is that is yours. That that stays with you. That that you can look back and go like when I was, you know, twenty something or thirty something or whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about age stuff, but uh, you know, I I worked on that, and that that was you know there was my work stuff, and then this is my personal stuff, and I saw that grow through careers, through jobs, through like you know some of the the roughest moments in my life. This thing was still with me, um, and I I think. A lot of people, you know, might might compare that to their family, and yeah, I, I absolutely say that. <laughs> you know, in in some ways, you know, raising a family is a side project. You know, having a pet is a side project. Like, it doesn't have to be technical, um, but having something that you own that is is bigger than your job, um, I think definitely is 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 the way I want to live. Yeah, I would agree. Like, ownership is so important. Um, you know, it's like people who, you know, put your 
even your content on Twitter, like, you know, you don't own that. So like, I think keeping a, a blog is something important because you get to own it. Um, and going back to like strategies for side projects, um, I'm not very structured. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, I don't know. I just try to follow my energy. So if I'm excited, then like, I'm going to work on my side project and spend as much time as I can. And if I'm drained, then I just kind of let the recovery happen. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that, Sean, but, or Lindsay. I'm going to listen because I feel like I talk too much. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You, you're, you're welcome to talk, but, uh, I don't know. My, I, I kind of take the same approach when I have a side project that I want to work on. That's, that's just what my brain does. It's, it's where my focus is. While I'm at work, I'm thinking, how can my work apply to my side project while I'm walking <laughs> around? How can my, how, how can I do this thing? Uh, you know, I've, I've had some side projects that I go on and off from for years. Um, not all programming related. And I'll just, in the middle of the night, I'll just wake up and start thinking about, oh, there's, oh, there's an idea. And then I can start playing with it and looking at it from different angles. Um, but if I'm, if I'm tired at the end of the day, I start my day a little earlier than most, I think. Uh, so at the end of the day, if I'm tired, I'm not going to stress about getting work done on my side project because it's something I want to enjoy. I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to hurt myself. I'm not going to force myself to do a thing that I'm supposed to be enjoying. If I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to be doing it. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I definitely agree with the, uh, if, if you're feeling drained, don't, don't push too hard. Just let it sit. Maybe a new idea will come that will give you a different angle to come at it. Yeah, I definitely think that like there, there's some there's some ways in which uh, it might energize you, uh, but you have to be lucky enough to pick those projects. Um, and the, the other thing I would say is uh, work on things that compound, because it's it's too easy to work on a, a project project that you know it's, you work on it for a while and then you, and then you throw away and it's it like a fun chapter in your life. But everything good comes from compounding, um, <laughs> and and that's why that's why like a, a blog or anything that sort of outlasts your your current uh, year or uh, employer, I think is is a really good project to to work on because uh, it's all the value is is at the end uh, when you when you when you really start exploring something deeply. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's good. It's it's fun to do one offs, uh, but also try to look for things that can, can compound and you can stick to for a very very long time. That's that's part of why. I mentioned at the beginning, I have this this game that I just make in every single language. So I started with React, and then I made a version in TypeScript, then I made a version in Vue, and then I made a version in Svelte. Now I'm making a version in Elm. I'm already planning out the next version in some backend so I can actually start getting a multiplayer experience instead of just single player. But right. this, that's the same idea as that compounding. I've, I've built it once, now I'm building it again, now I'm building yeah. it again, and I, I'm able to just keep learning while I go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and I'm sure that you learn stuff that you actually started applying at work. Uh, mm -hmm. And and that that's something that's one of the reasons why uh, I think one part of the sort of side project or part time creator strategy is to find an employer that doesn't actively hate on you for creating side projects, right? Yeah. Who who, encourage, who recognizes the value of that? And uh, I think there are more and more employers who do that. But also you should recognize when you're in a situation where uh, they just want to they want to pay you for forty hours and own you for the full one hundred sixty eight, uh, <laughs> and and uh, that's not okay, you know. So we should push back more as, as, as workers in, in the tech industry. I don't know if we have time for more, but I was going <laughs> to ask. Like, let's, let's try. Let's try. All right. Do you, do you have a good strategy for filtering out 
companies like that. I feel like my biggest struggle has been like how to interviewing companies. Like, you know, you're there to, they're, they're trying to interview you, but really in reality, you're there to interview them as well. Yeah. This is called the reverse interview. Um, and there's a repo on GitHub that's pretty popular with a list of reverse interview questions that may have better questions than I do. Uh, because I typically don't like, to me, the way I filter for it is I'm very upfront when I interview, like, hey, I have side projects, they're non-negotiable. Do you still want to interview me or not? It's pretty much nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, also you want to, uh, you want to be able to look around at your, the people that you're going to be working with. And if, if they are, you know, doing their own stuff, then it's, it's going to be pretty clear that this is a company that's very welcoming of that. And if they're not, you're going to feel like the odd one out. And, um, and that's, that's okay. To be clear, you don't have to do a side project. And I, I don't, uh, it's, I don't recommend putting it in any sort of <laughs> evaluation or hiring criteria, uh, but it's just culturally like if you're if you're with people who will frown upon you for working on stuff outside of hours, then uh, then they might not be the kind of people that you want to work with. That's all. Last question, and then we will wrap up. Let's say you are a developer. It doesn't need to be junior, senior. It could be any developer. And just wants to get started. They've they've kind of fallen into a rut. They're not working on either learning or side projects right now. They're just kind of doing their job. They're just kind of coasting. What would your recommendation be as what what are a few options to kind of get back into that curiosity, childlike position and get back into either doing side projects or just learning and growing again? Yeah, interesting. You have so there are two ways I think. Uh, one is to try to teach someone that you care about, your friend, uh, sibling, uh, you know, relative uh, that is trying to learn the code. There is one of someone in your family is trying to learn the code. Just get, just bank on it, right? And just just go teach them and and realize how much there is still left to do to make programming more accessible to to people. Uh, and you can work on better tooling. You can write better tutorials. You just open your eyes when you teach someone and you really care about their success instead of just an abstract like, hey, here's my tutorial on Git. Uh, no one cares. But if you like, here's my tutorial on Git for Sarah. <laughs> I care that Sarah gets it. Um, and 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 that's and that's a that's something that really opens your eyes as to like. Uh, the questions they ask you are, are the questions that everyone else has and the questions that you had to struggle over and you forgot. Um, so that's a, that's a really good motivator, just teaching someone you care about. Um, and then another one, I think is just solving your own problems. Like I, I think particularly for people who, those of us who work in the front end, there's so many, so many broken user interfaces out there in the web, particularly government uh, sites that, that really annoys the shit out of me. Um, and, and uh, I, I think, Part of that part of that drive is just rage. It's just like, <laughs> like yeah. I, this is this solves me a solve problem right now, and it's not. And like, okay, what do I need to do here, right? Like, do I, do I need to like make better tooling? Do I need to you know write more posts that like reach this this particular audience? Um, stuff like that 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 just uh, enables you because you have a personal relationship again to the to the to the problem. Uh, and this one is it's just for me. Like, so for example, uh, I use Twitter a lot, uh, and the Twitter web app has problems that um, they'll never fix because uh, you know, I, I have preferences that they don't. So I should write my own Twitter app. Uh, I haven't got to it yet, but I, I really, really want to. Um, and that motivates enough for me. Like, I've actually written my own Google uh, proxy. I've written my own Twitter proxy. And these are all just projects to solve pain points that I, I experience with 
uh, tools that I use every single day. Um, and I, I think, I bet you can, if you just open your eyes wide enough, you can find dozens of these small little problems to work on. They're great because they're small and you're going to use them and benefit immediately. Um, and, and then the next step is to try to monetize, uh, which I think is a worthwhile goal. Um, it's, it's nice and bene benevolent, beneficent to work on things for free and not expect anything. But you're also sh shortchanging yourself on the value of your work. And um, shipping something from idea all the way to getting paid and having happy customers, I think that uh, is a full stack of developer, which uh, really helps you appreciate everything else that is done for you by the people that you work with. Um, it, it shows you how much you have left to learn in terms of like marketing, in terms of uh, product development and, and all the other stuff that goes into making good software. So uh, yeah, I, I recommend doing side projects. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Sean. This has been excellent talking with you. Thanks. Yeah, I really enjoyed awesome. talking with you as well. Yeah. Um, where can people find you on Twitter uh, so they can continue this conversation with you? Yeah, Swix, uh, S-W-Y-X. It's just my English and Chinese initials. And you can also find my blog with writings and other links at Swix.io. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Um, you can find us as well. I am on Twitter at Lindsay K. Wardell if you'd like to reach out to me. And Hunter, what's your Twitter? I'm at hmillerdev. Great. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode and maybe you got a few ideas for some side projects to go work on. And on. we will see you again next time. podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S D-O-T dot C-O slash labs.